This is Damien Petty from IATSE 212 in Calgary, and we are proud sponsors of the Alberta Filmmakers podcast this season. Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, we service projects with budgets ranging from 100000 to $100 million. Recent increases to lo local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. We promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for our members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. We offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about us, please check out our website, iatse212.com, or like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Enjoy the podcast. And then there's this new music, which we kind of ignored last time. <laughs> it's it's like way more intense than, it is than intense, I thought yeah. it would be, but yeah. I like it. I mean, yeah, yeah it's it's very it's very uh, Hollywood movie action movie esque. Totally. Um, hi Matt. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm Scott. Uh, yes, yeah, you are. I am, and uh, and you're Matt, and we are Full Swing Productions. Uh, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta, because this is. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. Or in this case, a panel. Right. Many filmmakers. Yes. Um, Thanks for the warm reception, everybody. The yeah. First, the first episode of season two, really well received. So thank you. Uh, a lot of people excited to see it. So it's really nice that yeah. people were uh, pumped to have us back. I'm just still shocked that anybody listens, if mm -hmm. I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But I also listen. I think I just listen to hear my own voice. <laughs> right. Um, but uh yeah it's it's cool i actually get more and more out of every when i re-listen to an episode i get a lot more out of it than i did uh when you're do, conducting an interview because yeah. you're thinking about like next questions and you're just involved in the conversation totally and i was yeah. looking back at season one episodes i was like oh, i should re-listen to that one there's you know there's good stuff and all that stuff and it's nice because hopefully the descriptions are are well laid out enough that you know you can go back to those episodes and say oh i want to learn about this in particular right exactly and, 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 and I, then just know, skip all the news choose, and stuff yeah. and just yeah. listen to just the yeah. interview yeah yeah um so the Fantasy Movie League. Mm -hmm. We talk about this every week. Uh, I don't want to go too much into it, but uh, this is the end of the fall season for right. 2017. Right. And we have a winner. Yes, we do. And the winner is once again, Briar Greenhall. Um, four times? Is that a four this times? This is her... Uh, I thought you said she yeah, won first. First, not and we should correct ourselves. Last last episode, we said Tito won. It was actually it was Todsky, Todsky from yeah. the... Uh, um, this is her third win, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think I was right, counting. Right, you're right, you're right. So, far had, so we've done it four times. We've done it four times, yeah. exactly. Okay. She's won three out of four. Um, so she's going to receive a $50 Landmark gift card mm -hmm. um, as a prize. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that gift card's up for grabs next season, folks. Absolutely. So there's $50 prize uh, to, to the movies, um, to anyone who wins. So get on it. Uh, join the Fantasy Movie League. Um, we've got it in the show notes on how to do that or yep. on, on Facebook. Um, and it's just fantasymovieleague.com slash group. Slash eight three three seven password is AB film in all caps. Easy peasy. Yeah. Eight three three seven. That's almost leet. Yeah. Right. It's close. Oh, UPS is here. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, uh, so the Fantasy Movie League. Uh, so yeah, Briar won. Yep. She uh, she gets that gift card. You want that gift card, and I we start it. a brand new. Not you, but oh, the general the you, or, the listenership. Right. Well, I'm um, playing too. Yeah, of course it's true. Um, so yeah, you uh, you definitely want to join us because a new season of that uh, starts uh, this week. This week, yeah. as of as of the recording of this podcast, she went that way. Uh, sorry, listeners. There's, there's you don't packages have to, you don't being have to delivered. Right. These, these mics aren't that sensitive. It's okay. So uh, what else is going on, Scott? Uh, just a quick uh, heads up that uh, the production director of the CSIF, Nick Haywood, is going to be out of the office mm-hmm. um, starting tomorrow or this week, I guess, uh, and and gone until December 6th. So he's coordinated all the pickups and returns that were all right. the requests that have been sent in before he left. But if you do have a new request from the CSIF, you want to rent some gear and Nick's not in... Um. I don't know if you can. You might yeah. have to contact Risa uh, and just maybe make something work. Yeah, try to plan ahead as much as you can yeah. and uh, and check in because you may not be able to get gear. Right. Um, Trevor Anderson over at Fava as well has just recently left, and I know that everybody loved him For there. For good? Yeah. Well, oh. left Fava, yeah. Um, not, you know, I, no, no, he's still a part yeah, of the community, yeah, but, and, and but uh, I know people really loved him, and uh, I know he was a big part of Fava for a long time. Well, so. thank you, Trevor. Yeah, from, thanks, from to, thanks to Trevor. Um, Nick will be back on the 7th of yes, December, which yes. is a, a shorter Sorry, absence. I was just reminded. No, yeah, yes. that's good. It's good to know. Um, so yeah, if you if you did run something through the CSAF, not to worry. Um, let's move on to the news in the industry. Yes. So um, we don't always have to report good news. There's no. a little bit of sad news that Bell Media has laid off um, news and sports employees at local stations, including their stations in Alberta. Um, they're estimating... Um, that 50 jobs are being eliminated at their TV network alone in the latest round. Um, and th- and the, the reason that I think this is interesting to talk about is because um, their reasoning for laying people off, of course, like any companies, is revenues are down because of advertising. right? So Bell Media is relying on their advertisers and uh, they just aren't getting the advertising that they used to. Hmm. So it's a symptom of, you know, we always talk about how... how uh, the industry's changing and, you know, people are moving away from TV. Um, so it's definitely a symptom of that. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it is what it is. But do you think it's going to mean more like uh, what, do you, what is what is it called when it's in, in like product placement, I guess, is one way of saying it. Right. But integrated advertising. Yeah. Or, or branded content. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, Netflix, if, if you want to advertise on Netflix, you can't just run an ad, but maybe you can buy... Right, a product placement. Maybe that's going to become more. I don't watch Hawaii Five O, but for some reason I was I was on the TV while I was at my mom's, I think, and and there was this blatant Subway ad where the characters oh, yeah. were eating Subway and talking about how great it was, and it wasn't tongue in cheek. Oh wow, <laughs> um, damn! Because like you know, there's lots of comedies that do it tongue in cheek. Well, yeah, and they <laughs> they fit it in, and it's still an ad, but it's kind of funny. But Community did an incredible Subway ad, but it was yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. for sure. And uh, I'm rewatching Thirty Rock, and they do it all the time, and it's excellent. Um, so it can be done really badly. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how advertisers are gonna yeah do this right because yeah. there's money to be spent. Um, so where are the because people don't want to see an ad in Netflix right? They want to. Yeah. that's what they're paying for in yeah. their minds is to have an ad free experience. Right. So uh, hmm. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be an interesting it, it, and it already has been an interesting time as uh, as this whole world has evolved totally. Uh, and part of that, of course, was uh, Super Channel's parent company, Alarco, um, which filed for creditor protection in 2016. 
um, was announced uh, that they will have another extension on their creditor protection um, until February 28th, 2018. So we've been following this story. Yeah, um, that's right. Because uh, it meant a lot of uh, a lot of hard times for some super channel shows um, that have like, like like Tiny Plastic Man that have had to go on to find mm-hmm. um, other broadcasters. Um, some of them successfully, others not so much. Yeah. So we're hoping that Super Channel comes back because they were so great for the Alberta film community. Um, and wishing them all the best. In that. Yeah, yeah. They're certainly uh, still around. They're just yeah, exactly. Uh, They're back and yeah. And, and so yeah, I mean, subscribe. I think if if you want to support the community, that's a, some that's one way to put your money into absolutely. Doing that. Uh, okay, so let's get into the panel. Yeah, so uh, again, we're you know we're so thankful to the Calgary International Film Festival for partnering with us on this series. We, we've got a series of four podcasts we're bringing you in conjunction with the uh, Calgary International Film Festival, and this one is not a conversation like last week uh, last week's was. And and we should mention Entanglement was kind of the film that was tied to that, um, which we may have missed. Uh, so definitely go and see Entanglement if you can. I know he talked about it on the show, but we should highlight that specifically because I'm going to highlight all the. Uh, Calgary International Film Festival selected projects that were in conjunction with the panelists on this panel. Right. Okay. So the women, the women behind the lens panel, is uh, is, is uh, includes Emily Andrus, who's the showrunner and writer and executive producer on Winona Earp, Simone Smith, who's an editor for Suck It Up, Sandy Summers is the director of Ice Blue, Sarah Thomas Moffat is the director of photography on Fake Blood, Aaron Carter. Uh, he's an actor and producer on Suck It Up. And I apologize if I got anybody's name wrong, and you, yours especially, Prisha Boucher, I hope, uh, who's a director and cinematographer on Afterlife. And, uh, of course, the host and moderator, Amy Darling, uh, who's a local producer, uh, in, in, uh, worked on projects like Violent and Empyrean. Um, it's a great conversation. I was I was there for it. I was in the audience. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, so so many great women and uh, and all of those projects, successful uh, selected projects for the Calgary International Film Festival, and uh, enjoy the uh, panel. Look at all these gorgeous women. Um, so I'm Amy Darling, and I am a Calgary-based producer. And I would like to take the 70 women and seven men who have taken the time to come here and express their interest in the relevance of women in film. Uh, Before we get started, a few stats. According to the Center for the Study of Women in Television and Film, yes, that exists, a study of the US box office revealed that in 2016, women accounted for 7% of directors, 13% of writers, 17% of executive producers, 24% of producers, 17% of editors, and 5% of cinematographers. Last year, only 8% of films were directed by women in the US. On the home front, taking a snapshot of the NFB, the National Film Board, the institution which demonstrates some of the best gender parity in Canada, in 2016, 2017, 44% of these 60 works uh, created through the NFB were directed by women. Another 5% were created by mixed teams. However, the numbers plummet when you look further down the credits. 27% of screenwriters are women. 24% of film editors, 12% of cinematographers, 13% of composers. Finally, a peek at the numbers achieved by Telefilm, the federal agency that funds the Canadian industry. About 20% of Telefilm-funded projects were directed by women. 
and they were heavily concentrated in smaller budget films. Only 4% of projects with a public investment over $1 million were led by women. What this means is if Sarah Polly, Deepa Mehta, Patricia Razuma, and Mary Heron ever take the same plane and something happens, <laughs> it's us. Yeah. That's it. That's your 4%. We're what's left. So overall, women fared... I'm sorry, it's my underwire, and I, what can I do? <laughs> Overall, women fared best as producers and executive producers. It is on the creative side that women's opportunities lag furthest behind. Hiring decisions for these roles, according to the study I mentioned earlier, may be most susceptible to mainstream film industry bias and expectation about what directors, cinematographers, editors, composers should look like demographically. And so here we are with some of the most accomplished uh, women who have projects at the festival. And so let's get started and acknowledge that this is what film and television can, does, and should look like demographically. So we're gonna talk about where we're at, and we're gonna talk about how the hell we got here, and we're gonna talk about how the hell we're gonna move forward. And with that, I would like the uh, esteemed panelists, we see their photos behind, but I'm really interested in knowing uh, what your specific roles are for people who didn't take the time to look you up on the internet. We're all quite lazy. And I'm interested in knowing how you got here, because for a lot of us, it's a pretty circuitous path, I think. Awesome, starting the end. Hi, my name is Sarah Thomas Moffat. I am a cinematographer. Um, short version, you can go to sarahthomasmoffat.com and read all about me. Thank you for coming, and I'm really happy to be here. Hi, my name is Emily Andrus. I'm uh, the showrunner, which just is a fancy term for head writer and producer of a show called Winona Earp that films in Calgary. Thank you. Um, I didn't get here in a straight path. I did all sorts of production jobs, coffee, uh, cutting up carrots, the whole thing. Um, but I'm sure happy to be here now, so thanks. I'm Sandy Summers, and I'm the director of Ice Blue, that's here. And I have a background in theater, and then I started doing uh, lighting on film, and then I started DPing, then I started editing, and then I started doing production management, and then eventually I went, oh, I just love directing. And then I started directing. So that's the, the quick route. That was a long time getting here. Yeah. I'm Simone Smith. I'm an editor from Toronto. Uh, I edited Suck It Up and Never Stay, Never Still, which are at the festival. Um, I just grew up in a film buff family, so film was just always around, always quoting movies. And um, my dad kind of showed me Premiere when I was about 10 or 11 and started editing as a hobby and then found out you could do that for a living. Like, that's awesome. So, yeah, so I did that. Um, Hello, uh, my name is Erin Carter. Uh, I am the lead actress, one of two, I guess, and uh, one of the executive producers on Suck It Up uh, here at the festival. Um, yeah, I, I am primarily an actress, and I think I just started producing out of necessity. I wasn't seeing a lot of fun stuff around, so I thought, why, why not make my own? And that's how I got here. <laughs> Hi, um, my name is Priscilla Boucher, and I'm a French filmmaker, but I'm based in New Zealand. 
And uh, so I'm the director, I have to check what I am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the director and cinematographer of this short film called Afterlife. I mostly make documentaries and I started, well, I didn't actually wanted to do that at all. I wanted to be a photographer and a journalist. And then one day I was doing research for a filmmaker and he, as a thank you gesture, he gave me a crack version of Avid, the editing software. And I got completely hooked, like no social life kind of hooked. And <laughs> that's when I decided to pursue in documentary because I, all of a sudden it was all making sense, you know, like visual and, you know, like, uh, well, everything in documentary I loved, you know? So yeah, that's what I'm doing. Thank you. And I just ended up here because it uh, turns out I'm really bad at acting, I'm really bad at directing, I'm really bad at script supervising. Uh, but what I'm really good at is spreadsheets and um, shouting at people. And, yes. And so I'm a producer. So that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, Emily, I'm super interested in talking to you because from the sounds of things, uh, television is faring a little bit better for women right now. So if we're saying about so. yeah, if we're saying about 20% of feature film writers, you know, are women and topping out, it's like 38% in television. And can you chat with us about that? Yeah, um, that's a great number. I mean, I think women make up about 38% of the population. Oh wait, no, they don't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, definitely I feel like television in general, there's just more room as television becomes more niche. There's 482 scripted shows on TV. Doesn't matter, watch Wine on Earth, that's the one you should be watching. But um, there's room for different voices now on television as there's more hunger for content, um, where I feel like the film system is still, they only have a certain amount of budget and a certain amount of bucks and a certain amount of screens, so it's definitely more competitive and people like to stay with what they think is tried and true. Um, you know, certainly these amazing female filmmakers can speak to it, but I think the irony is it was an incredibly good year for female filmmakers um, as far as Wonder Woman and Hidden Figures and whatnot, but um, it's kind of that middle ground. I think that is still very difficult. Um, I think there's lots of independent filmmakers and then lots some big filmmakers, but uh, it's just getting someone to give you that chance is tough. Um, like I said, I just think there's more room for diverse voices in television. I certainly feel like our show doesn't have to be for everybody. It's not a network show. It's a cable show. It's a sci-fi show. So we just have a ton of women running around being all sorts of crazy, and that seems to be fine. So we're lucky. We, My room, I can tell you my writing room is like we have five female writers and two male writers who are great. Everybody's great. Um, but just having come up through the industry, I feel like I definitely got where I was because I've had other women mentor me and take a chance on me. So now I feel like I'm sure you're going to get there. But for me, I feel the responsibility now that I have the luxury of being a decision maker that I have to put my money where my mouth is and hire women absolutely wherever I can. So completely. Yeah. Everyone's, so, everyone's business card. I know. Yeah. Every, everyone's so invested in this topic. I feel like we're going to clap after every answer because we're all <laughs> just so excited. Uh, I just, I'm interested in like a bit of a pulse in the room. How many women here are in film in the first five years of their career? Hands up. Just interested. First 10 years of your career? Longer. Yeah. And who is or just a really engaged audience member and really cares about seeing really good films put on by a diverse voice? Oh, that's nice. That's nice too, isn't it? So, 
And so have all of you had the opportunity, because some of us are in the position where we can hire, some of us are not. Um, have all of you been able to bring women onto your cruise? Have you had to justify bringing women onto your cruise? Because I'm still having those conversations. Um, if I can lead that uh, answer uh, openly. Um, so as a cinematographer, I started as a PA and worked my way up. My career spanned 20 years, and I've pretty much done everything there is to do, like a lot of us, out of necessity, right? Whether you're creating your own things or trying to be hired. I started in TV commercials out of college, so they were like mini-movies out of Toronto. And uh, I worked uh, in underwater departments on union films, so big things, little things, but then to try and you know, I was hired by guys, TV commercials, it's all guys, you know, and I love my brothers and I'm really, really grateful for them. Um, I found that they wouldn't keep me around very long, maybe six months, not not a year, certainly not a year, to be a camera assistant with them. Whereas I noticed um, comparison, um, and it's really difficult to not compare yourself when you're just watching trajectory and you're trying to map out your future. You see, you see people take a path and you're like, hey, that looks like the path I can take to get to that up there, right? To be a director of photography. So you go skipping along the trail, blah, 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 you know, and then it's like, big brick wall comes up in front of you. It's like, well, did I do something wrong? You know, and then you, you know, you, it's, you know, I'm sort of getting off topic, but it's all sort of, it's all connected. And, and being a part of a crew for me was like the greatest thing in the world. But then I found the more I progressed in my career, the less invited I was and the less I was kept around. But no one ever said anything bad. And I didn't know if I did something wrong. And it was really hard to, you know, it's, you know, it's such a big topic, but it's, it's, yes, we're hiring more women, but in a trajectory of a career, three things that are instrumental to success of any career are access, opportunity, and visibility. And the more that you have those three things rotating, the faster and higher your trajectory goes. And for a lot of us in a diverse group, that's not the case. We don't have access all the time, or the opportunities are smaller or shorter. We're not really seen that much visibility. We're kind of kept over here with a pat on the head, not elevated up here. And so being a camera assistant, I would watch my male counterparts, who I very much admire, be camera assistants for great DPs for four years. And then they were set. And it was just like they were making money hand over fist, and they were you know, building lives for themselves, and they were you know, accessing those opportunities to get visible, to get to the next level of their career. And I'm still skipping along the trail going, hey, this is kind of cool, but why is everybody passing me? And I'm older than you. And <laughs> hey, hang on, you know, I, I'm here, you know. And it's like crew is essential, uh, you know, and mentorship comes out of crew. and. I'm rambling, but it's such a big topic, you know, and it's, we're trying to focus on the positives now. We and, can tell a few, you know? like, we have like a few hairy anecdotes that are hilarious. That's <laughs> fine, but we don't want to traumatize too many people. <laughs> There's a great website. It's on Tumblr. It's called The Shit people have said to women directors. Oh, yeah. And there's, it's, people just keep adding to it. And it, it encompasses every role. And it is funny and educational and sad, you know, but you should, you know, have a look at that if you want to get into quotes. I could write a novel, and I'm sure all of you could, with personal experiences. And, you know, even up until last year, I mean, 
The worst one for me personally last year was I received a text message from a producer and said, for Canadian-funded television show through Can Canadian Media Fund, we're not hiring women. We hired women before, and it didn't work out, so we're not doing it again. <laughs> Thanks to those three women who just had a bad day and just burned it for the rest of us. Yeah. And one bad day. And I have to represent all women. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. Of course. So it's, yeah, you can't paint us all with the same paintbrush. That's not fair, you know? Anyway, I mean, somebody else jump in because I'll talk. Too yeah, much, and, and particularly Prisca and uh, Simone because you're cinematographer, well, and director and everything, but cinematographer and editors. I mean, you, how did you get your first gigs? Because you did rely on people to hire you, really. Um, yeah, I started out interning and hating it because it's the worst. Um, but I, I was in, in the commercials. Um, that just seemed like a less scary way in the whole like union road. Was, but I think early on, I and you know, I think it's it's changed a lot. This was about seven years ago. I had this idea that you had to put on this masculine exterior in order to fit in. One of the guys. Like that's the only way to be taken seriously. And I think in the time since then, I've kind of just relaxed and been myself. And that's when I've actually been more successful. Is just getting rid of all that, the whole boys club thing, trying to fit in with them. I mean, four out of the six films I've worked on now are all female directors. And I'm not actively seeking these projects out. They just keep happening. There are stories that I can relate to and understand and that I'm interested in. So it just kind of happened naturally. Yeah, and I read that one of my favorite DPs from Sundance, Nettie Hallgren, said that 90% of the people who hire her are women. And she, she's at a huge high level, but still the people that are coming to hire her are women. And the studies show that at least in the US and Canada, when you've got a female showrunner or a female director, they're six times more likely to bring on female crew members. Because, yeah. duh, we're not stupid. Like, of course, that's who we're hiring. Like, so, which is pretty exciting. And Priska, what about you? Um, well, I'd say like in New Zealand in documentary, it's a lot of women directors as well, you know, so it's a very female world. And um, so obviously working in that, I get to work with a lot of female directors and as an editor. And well, um, when it comes to like cinematography, it's true that most of the time it's women hiring me <laughs> as well. So yeah, I guess it's kind of the same. But I mean, you know, like, I guess like, well, that's what, what I like, for instance, as an editor is working with both like male and female directors, you know, like uh, it's a very different dynamic, you know, it's a, I don't know, it's, um, it's an interesting way. I, I've never really felt like I had to put on uh, some kind of macho, persona you know like uh, I never felt I had to do that but also probably maybe because documentary is such a small thing you know it's you and the director you know like you can't really put on anything because you be together like for a, you know for a long period of time so the mask is gonna fall off very quickly so yeah yeah that's what it is. I went through this phase uh, a few years at Sunday a few years ago at Sundance uh, so they have these random weird events and I sat through a presentation of it was a PSA for oatmeal and how it'll change your life and it was starring a woman on Dancing with the Stars and it was directed by this guy who was like yeah I directed a PSA about oatmeal and then uh it got into Sundance he was at Sundance he was a oh, Sundance okay. alum right and then I was like oh okay thanks for the free oatmeal I'm not sure what this has to do with cinema but that was cool and then I like a year later uh, that guy got the job directing, bless his heart, Jordan Vote Roberts, directed Kong Skull Island. And I was like, oh, neat. Um, yeah. Oatmeal. 
<laughs> oh. I do think there's something that is unsaid, which is people oh, are yeah. uncomfortable seeing women be the decision makers, if we're being totally honest. Like, oh, totally. Just like handing over that kind of authority to women still sometimes makes people uncomfortable, I think. Um, I don't know if you guys agree. I'm going to agree with that. Yeah. I, okay, I hear stories like that all the time. I probably have, well, I've, I've made over 70 short films and have directed most of them, maybe smaller amount. I may have just like edited or shot them. But for the most part, I directed and produced them. And you talk about your counterparts moving on. My counterparts are, you know, working on amazing shows in Toronto and they're doing really amazing things. And I, I love making shorts. I do. It's, um, it's an art form I love. Um, and, you know, making my first feature film at this point in my life is wonderful. But when I watch everyone else, all my male counterparts who have done it a decade ago, you know, if not more. So I think that's, that's really interesting. And, and my trajectory happened when I realized that if I just want to direct films, then I need to write them, I need to produce them, and I need to just make them. So I'm, I've been pretty prolific in directing and making films. Trying to make that switch over to long format in a narrative uh, was like going back to primary. It was like going back to step one. And even though I had the chops behind me on every count whatsoever, I still felt like I was going back to being a neophyte. Not personally, but that's how it, it was viewed. So cracking that, um, cracking that shield was great because I did it. You know, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And it's interesting to feel grateful and appreciative to have the opportunity when at the same time, it's, it's about freaking time. <laughs> and Sandy, what's crazy about you, one of the things that's crazy about you is that you, um, in the midst of uh, doing all of this stuff, you also have taken the time to develop other women filmmakers, which we all want to do in the ways that we can, and we just don't always have time. Like, I just feel like I'm scraping every damn day mm -hmm. just to do what I have to do, and somehow you've made it work mm -hmm. that you have created the Herland Development Program, which is mm -hmm. amazing. Well, I started that program because I just felt, I don't want any other women to go through what I went through. There's no reason for that to happen. And when you talked about access, and you know, uh, working that way and having um, a trajectory that you can fall into, which men do, it, it's not available to women in the same way. So I uh, started Herland because I wanted to give women opportunity and um, education and workshops and networking, so that they can have a faster trajectory and um, a faster trajectory than I had to go through. So I create workshops that I know would have like helped me a lot. The, the times are changing. But I have um, two five-month programs for emerging fil women filmmakers and for women who are, um, have done around three films or so, and so the programs are run a little differently. But I do all the fundraising, so they're completely free. And um, for the, we also give budgets to the intermediate women, because when I was asking uh, all of my women counterparts of why they're not making films anymore, what happened, then um, a, a part of it was when you start 
directing on sets, professional sets, with full male crews, it's, it, somewhere it's not working out for them, that they've lost their vision, they can't hold on to the vision. And so um, I help women who are trying to make that move into a professional career, we, we give them even a budget to work with so that they can hire someone professional. And the other wonderful thing about that is women, and, and it's, I don't say you have to hire women, um, of course. <laughs> I would. <laughs> well, at the same time, I don't say that, but I do say this is an opportunity for women to help women grow in their careers. And so, for the most part, it's 90, if not 100%, uh, female crews. Amazing. Yeah. And one of them, uh, Jillian McCurcher, who was in the mentorship program, just received um, Calgary Film Center production funds to do her first feature. Um, but uh, one of the films that Paige Boudreau did is, is playing all over, all over, everywhere, and winning lots of awards. And others are getting grants. So I can now see that, that there is a trajectory and that women are now coming in and really enjoying networking with other women. There, there's such a need for that. And so as Herland continues to do that, more partnerships between women come and more women are, are starting to work together and make films. Thank God. And by the way, because we have limited time today, uh, we don't need to wait till the end. If someone has a question, just go stand at the mic and stare at me. Oh, or you can put your hand up. Go for it. Hey, everybody. It's Matt just breaking in to tell you a little bit about the Calgary Film Center. It's a world-class, screen-based production facility, suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces. Complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. At the Calgary Film Centre, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs. As well, the Calgary Film Centre delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. You want to check out their website at www.calgaryfilmcenter.com and click on events and news and then upcoming events for the next gathering of industry professionals and networking opportunities. This one's on Friday, December 8th uh, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. and it's in Studio 2 at the Calgary Film Center. Registration is required, so check it out. And now back to the show. So my, my question is a set etiquette question. Uh, film is a very technical process that requires a lot of troubleshooting. And uh, how do you go about that process where you feel you're, somebody's not trusting you because you're a woman and because they don't think you know the answer to what you know the answer to? How do you approach that situation on set in a professional way? Or in the editing room. Simone. Or in the editing room. <laughs> I have some feedback, if that's cool. Please. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm sure we've all been faced with it in different ways. Um, for me, personally, I would let those nuances um, roll off my back really quickly and keep my head down and focus on my job and just do my job so well, better than anybody else, that nobody could say anything about me except, great job, she works hard, and then hire me again, you know? Um, set etiquette is a tough one as far as appearance as well, because I would wear what my friends started to call man clothes, right? So button-down shirt, slacks, boots, or if it was the summer, you know, shorts, 
work boots, t-shirts, hair back in a bun, totally present myself like one of them, right? So the eyes are always up here, not here, because it happens. Uh, in, as I started to progress in my career and have opportunities to hire camera assistants, of course, I'd reach out and mentor young women and try and hire girls where I could. Um, and they would show up to set with tight little t-shirts on and tiny little shorts or jeans with butt cracks hanging out. And you know what? Guys' butts hang out of their jeans all the fucking time, you know? And nobody says anything about it. And, but for a woman to do that, it's everybody's looking at it. Uh, it's a distraction. Um, and unfortunately, it is. We are just apes, you know? We're sexual beasts, really. And so if you're revealing those parts of your body, it's going to distract your opposite in that way. And then said etiquette is going to spiral into, uh, I think, or in my experience, into uh, um, an unprofessional environment, which can cause sexual harassment um, and maybe lead to other things when you're drinking at the bar with your team after, you know, things like that. You've got to be really, really careful about how you present yourself. Which is not to say that anyone is ever, ever, ever to blame for anything that happens to them in that way mm -hmm. or is inviting it. That's not what you're saying. No, 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 no not at all. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just saying take accountability for yourself, take responsibility for yourself of how you present yourself and how you, and, and how you carry yourself on set. And, and unfortunately, in my experience as well, you know, being around TV commercials, when I started my career, it's a busy set. They're big. They're like mini movies, man. There's a lot of moving parts, and it's mostly a male-dominated crew. And again, they're great guys. Everybody's hardworking. It's like a military, but you have to fit in like them. You can't stand out. I couldn't even talk about my period. If I had cramps and I was turning green and barely passing out and couldn't even pick up a camera case, you know, when I was a camera assistant, Nobody wanted to know. They just wanted to know why it took so long in the bathroom. You know, and, and I couldn't say, you know, well, I'm bleeding like my uterus. <laughs> I'm yeah, a creature of light. I'm you busy know? creating life. Yes. <laughs> I'll need a minute. As you gain more confidence, yeah. you have, you know, it comes with confidence too, you know? So, but. And, and does anyone have any techniques for actively not getting angry? Because I am actually gen genuinely interested in that. <laughs> Uh, because I, I lack that skill. Um, I'm, I'm more of like an angry crier. Oh, I love so that. So I just hold I'm it in, say what cry. I need to say, and then run to the bathroom for yeah, a couple that's a good minutes. One. That's a good one. You know, get I it think out, crying then, is yeah. underrated. I think people think crying is weakness. I'm a big one for a good rage cry. Yeah. I'm with you. And like in the words of the immortal Tina Fey, if you're so angry you could cry, once in a while it's good to just sit there with angry tears streaming down your face because <laughs> it really freaks everyone the fuck out. That you're so mad that tears of rage are streaming down your face. But it's better than dudes who punch a hole in the wall, right? Which seems to be on some level like, oh, they're an auteur. They're more artistic. Um, this, is, this is still my number one thing. Um, about being just a decision maker is I do, I'm very aware of the number of punch cards, punch slots in my crazy card I have, for lack of a better yeah. term. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm like, I think I can break a chair over someone's head four times in a season when I'm so angry, metaphorically or literally, probably metaphorically, versus men I know who are like considered temperamental but they're artists, do you know what I mean? Like, well, sure, they threw a cup of hot coffee in the PA's face, but you know, their vision wasn't being completed. And I was like, well, it's an oatmeal commercial, so. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Maybe just calm down. You yell right, Mama. You're going to get yeah. King Kong. It's hard, though, right? Because just tears speak. Um, about that etiquette, like the unfortunate truth, and maybe it's not fair, is like honestly, the only thing you can control ultimately is how you behave, right? You cannot control the other person's behavior, even though they shouldn't run a red light or be a sexist pig. Like, you actually can't control how they behave. So, you have to think of restraint and strategy as power. Which sounds crazy, right? But it depends a lot on hierarchy on set, too. Do you have the authority to literally say, you're fired because I am telling you technically this is what we need to do, but then you're like, what are the repercussions of me firing someone? Is this the time I want to punch my crazy card? And if it's worth it for you to regain order on a set, yes, it is worth it. But like, that's them, them's just the breaks, which sounds unfortunate, but I personally feel like, yes, you have to have a good rage cry and find your allies. Like, find the person who you can take into the bathroom and be like, just need a 10 minute rage cry. <laughs> can you lock the door? Um, and I watch think, me. And watch me, watch me silently while I rage cry. Um, but instead of being frustrated by that helplessness, be aware that you are strategizing and plotting your revenge for when you win your Academy Award. Like, honestly, whatever it takes for you to get through that encounter, I just think that's the truth, right? Awesome advice. Thing called fuck bucks. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. and it's where it's a really great article and a, and a TED talk actually that a woman gave about the similar topic. And she said, Where are you going to basically, what are you going to waste your energy on? Yeah. So, she don't give a fuck buck, right? So, yeah. where are you going to spend your fuck bucks and how are you going to spend them? What is, is that, is he really worth a fuck buck? No. Yeah. No, he doesn't get my bucks. Is that, you know, so it's the same as the rage cry. Where are you going to, where, you know, you've got to let it out at some point, but where and how do you respond? Control your responses, you know? Yeah, I experimented this year with, uh, I thought it would be fun, uh, on a project that was due to, not my fault, by the way, was way over time and way over budget. And I was like, ah, I'm going to have a freak out and just see what it does for fun and so I yelled at the entire creative team for I'd say an hour and a half two hours on a conference call it didn't go well it did not go well no they were like we can't work with you that was too crazy and it was an all-male team and so I'm not on that project anymore so I'm gonna go ahead and chalk that exercise up to being not successful <laughs> Uh, and it was odd because I actually made that entire film happen and go forward. I was like, wait, but what about the money? What about the Oscar-nominated executive? You, okay, okay, I'm going to go home. It was yeah. horrible. So I don't know. Just I would say as you're um, trying different ways, uh, listen to those ladies and don't maybe don't experiment with do the rage cry instead of the rage yell. I would say there's a time when, it's like you say, you have a limited number of cards to, to call those in. Or do the rage yell to the right person. That's what I thought. Yeah, I, do ah! the, I definitely do the rage yell as well. Yeah. Do you in documentary? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who do you yell in at? In an edited suite, like, you know, yeah, yeah. In well, you don't suite. yell at your, you know, you don't yell at your participants. You don't yell at people <laughs> you, you're filming, but um, you kind of, sometimes you kind of have to set things right you know, with the person you're working with or, you know, like... Uh, yeah, but I've I've had to do rage yells in TV as well. You know, yeah. I find often like with like bigger crews and stuff, and lots of people like you don't really know what they're doing, whatever. But you know, and yeah, and things kind of get out of control as an editor. You know, you are like 
you'll, you'll be stuck there until the thing is finished, you know? And you are kind of picking up the slack, that's true, of like lots of other people that are, that are working before you. And, you know, sometimes you have to rage yell, otherwise it just keeps going, you know? Mm -hmm. And one day you say, you come out of the edit suite, whoosh, okay, guys, we've got it too, you know? Yeah. And you just have to have it, you know? Yeah. And then things sometimes go better. Often, often they do, you know, if you don't do it too often, you know? Yeah. But I think that in your case, for instance, I would say, you know, you'd go to someone who's like higher, you know, like and you'd say, I don't think that this person is doing the right thing and I want to I want you to be aware of it. And perhaps this person doesn't want to listen to me because I they you know they think I'm a woman, they I don't know what I'm talking about. But I just want you to be aware of it because at the end of the at the end of the day it's the project that's important. It's not your ego, it's not their ego, it's like what is better for the project, you know? Erin, so. because you were a, an actor and a producer, right, on Suck It Up. Mm -hmm. So how did you balance those two roles? Well, uh, nobody will ever know. Women, <laughs> <laughs> women in microphones. Women help um, women. Yeah, so I actually feel, this is so interesting because I'm relatively new to producing and I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot like I didn't know that it never happened and thus I just made I just did it like I woke up and I was like oh I don't think I'm seeing roles that I like very much and so I called my friend and I was like oh you should write this movie she was a woman it was by no means you, you said a word earlier actually that I would like to touch on you said do you feel like you've had to justify hiring women and I've been getting and this is don't get me wrong a very female driven project you know it's it's two female leads it's it's wonderfully full of women on every side of the camera but I, I by no means everybody who we have on this movie is because they are the best for that job when we brought julia hoff on to write it was because she that it was her style and that was perfect and we when we brought jordan canning on it was like oh yeah this is your story it was never like you know what we need a female like of course we wanted a female director but there was no it wasn't like ooh, i don't know maybe somebody else is better like it was her story and and Simone it was the same thing like everybody who we brought on I never have to justify bringing a woman on board and I've been getting that question like is did you try that like was that on purpose is yeah. this on purpose for women I, I love that like, thing you're doing yes <laughs> I don't know I, I have a bunch of amazing female friends who are in the industry of course I want to make work with them. Like that to me was just like a no-brainer. Of course I do. Um, but be, I guess as far as like being an actress and also a producer, I mean, I feel very spoiled. It was such a spectacular experience. We had women, uh, both our, our first AC and our second AC were women. We had a female production designer. I mean, it was, I... That, and now I'm just trying to name women on our crew. Do um, it. Just all of them. I'm just naming them. But um, no, as far as being an actress, I, honestly, I was quite spoiled. We, we had, it was such a spectacular experience filming, and it's so easy to separate yourself when things are going well. Like, I, I wish I had, like, a more intense story to tell, but I, I mean, I had been on board with the project since conception so you have such a good idea who the character is and you have such a good idea of what story you're making because we were all there from you know like day two we all wanted to be making that thing together so really it was very easy to separate the two and just be the character yeah 
Um, do you know what you make me think of? Does anyone have any more questions, by the way? Because we have, oh, yes. Um, I, w I was just wondering if any of you had any tips for people that are, uh, women that are going to be coming into the industry in the next couple of years. Um, like things to look out for, or things that I, that to be aware of, pro tips, anything like that. Can I give mine first just because it's super easy? Uh, okay, see all these people in the room? That's your network. No, that's your network. They're here. These are the people who care. And so uh, I just want to give everyone the heads up that at the end I am going to make uh, each of you introduce yourself to a new person. And even your whole family. I don't even care. I know they're here, right, Aaron? Are they here? Everybody's here. Yeah, if you're, if you're related, <laughs> you better find a new friend um, because this, this truly is your network. That's it, but you guys have more. Focus, just focus on what you want, you know, learn, put your head down, like I said before, work hard, um, stay focused, and you gotta let the shit roll off your back or else it will absolutely kill you, you know? Um, deal with your anger, like everything that we talked about, you know, just downsize all those into points, manage yourself, control your responses, Focus on what you want and go for it. You know, it's going to be tough. But and if that's how bad you want it. I mean, people, when I was, I noticed when I was like year 17 into my career, you know, not that I was counting, I was like, yeah, I mean, I stuck it out. And my male counterparts would, like, I was starting to make some steps up into jobs and budgets that I was acquiring for certain shows and stuff. And they were like, hey, you really stuck it out. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, what the fuck else was I going to do? Like, I was, this is my job, and this is what I want to do. Like, you know, but, but that's cool. But it was sort of like, well, but then it's like 20,000 and something year. Like, shouldn't we already be there? So you got to stick it out. It's a lot of resilience, I think. And I think I always just think of the concept of putting one foot in front of the other all the time. Um, and that does have to do with focus, but sometimes um, things go better in some ways and they don't go better in other ways. But uh, even though I, I've done a lot, I, I kind of consider myself the, the turtle as opposed to the hare. Um, I am really focused. I really always move forward. And I always try to accomplish what it is I'm setting out to do. And sometimes that takes some patience. But to continually, um, to not stop. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I can't help it, Sandy, but I think this, we might as well tell you the thing that I want to talk about with you now as we are almost about to wrap up. Uh, okay, you know what's crazy about Sandy? And if Sandy can stick through bomb threats, bomb scares, and bomb-sniffing dogs at a screening, uh, I'm going to say that you can do this. That's what I would say. Because that happened to you. Yeah, I, I, did, a, I did a project, um, and when word got out about its topic, which was lesbians... Um, I know, like, oh my God. So I, I, uh, okay. I did a, I, I did a, a piece on um, lesbian fantasy back when um, a couple of decades ago that started my career off. And um, when we were opening, we had to have police come in and protect us because of death threats, bomb threats, and um, yeah, it caused a bit of a hoopla. One of the things I did learn from that was when, when you are putting your own work out there and you really believe in what you're doing, no one can take that away from you. A, a bomb scare can't, a derogatory comment, interaction with gender, you know, people who just feel that we shouldn't be doing this, uh, can't stop you. 
and I learned, we, who mentioned the thick skin? Mm -hmm. I learned that my thick skin is not from being aggressive like my male counterparts, but my thick skin was believing in my work and my vision and continuing with that journey, regardless of what was going on around me. Uh, shall we have one more slash last question almost? Um, or she, two last? She just has a comment. I have a question, but she Please. has a comment. So if, if we can make sure she gets it because she has one. Um, anyway, thank do you. you. Go, do you want to flip comment yeah, with yeah. question? Yeah, why don't you go first? I just wanted to make a quick comment. I just went from engineering into film production and writing. Welcome. And there's money out there, ladies. I have dug into the coffers of the Canada Media Fund for their pre-development regional program because they're trying to get money outside of Toronto. So come save me if you want to get 15 grand. <laughs> and you've got a TV show idea. Why don't you just quietly stand behind the panel and we'll... Okay. Well, you can... We'll, yeah, what, just don't go too far, yeah. I think. We'll, do, we'll just put a little bucket back there for people to put their name and number. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So um, please... Yeah, hi. Uh, I just had a question about um, career advancement. You know, I think most people in production start out as a PA, and then you make the choice to be like a coordinator and then a producer. And um, I was also curious if you could shed some light on your experience with that, and then also advocating for uh, equal pay uh, with women. And I mean, I know a lot of jobs might be union, but like from my experience, a lot of jobs that I took weren't. And you know, advocating for your day rate and anything you, advice you could give or your experience. Oh, I want to say something really bad, can I, even though I'm the moderator and I yeah. keep talking? Okay, guess who gave me my entire start? It was Sandy. And I was like a PA or a script supervisor or whatever. And I know that a lot of people feel like there's a lot of um, value in moving to Toronto or Vancouver and being in a billion dollar market and picking up garbage off set for like four years and you're so legit and you paid your dues. Um, but within like a month, Sandy said, hey, do you want to produce my next film? I said, okay. <laughs> so I would say to you that you are in the best market for that. And just like our brand new best friend behind you said, you're super well placed. You're in a smaller market that needs representation. Uh, people are way more willing to take a chance on you. And they don't, we don't have time to like sort of fake it till we make it because we're all too busy making it. So you're super well placed to be in here. But you can start as a PA, that's fine too. Then you get to see everything. That was totally just my opinion. And there is something to be said about what has been said that if you get onto someone's set and you do your job and you have a wonderful personality and then you'll be remembered. Yeah. And from that, when I go and you know, Amy was really capable, and so after you know, like working with her a little bit, it's like I think you sh you know it would be great to work with you as a producer. But I still and I do that with all my with every time I have a film is that I do um, remember people, and then I invite them to the next one. And that film was also funded by Bravo Fact, which is headed up by a woman, the leading funder of short film historically in Canada. Has been a tiny little woman based in Toronto named Judy. Get real. She started all of our careers. So, like, women are everywhere. We're here. But so. bye bye, Bravo. Back. Oh, by the way, that got canceled this week. Sorry. Oh. Sorry. Oh, you want to make a dance short? Nah. Oh, you want to make a short talking about women's feelings and get it on broadcast? Nah. Oh, did you want to make a music video? Nah. But seriously, stay in it. Yeah. Um, we're just about wrapping up. Is there anything anyone wants? to say as we wrap up i yeah please I just we were talking yeah. we met before the panel and talking about positives um oh, yeah 
Okay. Screw it, we're going over time. We need 90 seconds of positives. <laughs> Everyone can just deal with it. Um, so, you know, and how are we focusing to go forward in our careers? What are we focusing on to let all that stuff, you know, roll off our backs and, and move forward? Well, one thing that we talked about was trust and building relationships, um, you know, education, all that stuff we all do in our own way, you know, with workshops or mentoring and things like that, bringing women in, creating opportunities, right? All that kind of stuff. All of that is positive. Try and focus on that as you go forward. Um, and one big thing that's not talked about a lot in the entire film industry and the world in general is mental health. And mental health is um, absolutely critical. Uh, good mental health is critical to anybody in any situation to just carry on in their life, period. Um, what happens in the film industry specifically, if, whether you're an actor or behind the camera as well, uh, you're scrutinized a lot all the time. It's not an easy thing. And when money is on the table and the higher you go in your career, the more scrutiny you are under. And you are under a magnifying glass. And sometimes you get, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. And sometimes when you lose, sometimes you're fired. Sometimes, you know, you're let go early. Sometimes, like, it happens, right? Sometimes people talk about you really badly. It's all of that hurts. But what that also does is leads to poor mental health. It creates isolation. Um, women, I feel, in a lot of career paths have experienced isolation. And people of color, a, very, a lot of isolation due to you know, the general population, white men, in the film industry, you know, is mostly the dominating population. Um, all the rest of us have had a lot of severe isolation experiences. Not that white men don't. I know, I'm just saying, I can speak from experience. What I've done to advert those and create some hope in that space and shed a light on it is a support group. So I created a support group for women crew. And what's uh, it called? Can we can we belong or is it too secret? Oh, it's too secret. It's, I can tell. Well, it's, it, it is um, because it's a place, a safe place for people to talk. Right. But if you're a woman working in the film industry or a student trying to figure yourself out um, or identify as a woman, Contact me on Facebook. You can find me, Sarah Thomas Moffat. You can send me a message. And I'm happy to add you to the support group. And all of you are welcome. It is a safe place to talk. Um, I only started it a year ago. And because it is a secret group, everything that we talk about in the group and the challenges that we talk about um, are respected and stay in the group. And that creates trust. And so you can do that too. You can do that in your own circles. I, you know, I am with your new you. friends that you're about to meet. I swear to God, yes. I'll get so mad if people don't just even pat each other on the back in the you lobby. You have to network. I'm so mad. And are we? Do we know? Are we? Do we have a table at table at Paper Street? Because yes. I'm sure lots of you have tons of questions, and we do yeah, want to chat with you. Too bad. Yeah. I know. And also, I hate being mobbed. Like, I can't cope. Okay. And just before we go, I just want to say just a few little things so we sort of hit everybody. Uh, I'm going to make it through really fast. 
Uh, what you need to be doing is you need to be reading Melissa Silverstein's Women in Hollywood blog. You need to be uh, a Facebook fan of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media and read their amazing posts. You need to read Manola Dargis, who is one of the chief critics for the New York Times, who was the first person in 2014 to say, hey, we have too many shitty movies. Maybe let's make less. You need to read... You need, I'm snoozing my alarm, I'm sorry, I don't care if we get any trouble. You need to read Ann Thompson, who called out the critic Owen Gleiberman for devoting one of his first columns after being named Variety's chief film critic to discussing Renee Zellweger's face. You need to read uh, Vanessa Arazzo from Remescla, an amazing uh, film critic from uh, like a Latin American website that will tell you all the things you need to know. And you need to check out what women in film and television have going on, particularly in Toronto and Vancouver. The branch here really isn't really doing my much, uh, frankly. So if you want to become a member and hold them to account, you might get something out of it. We need to hold each other to account. And finally, uh, if nothing else, seek out women filmmakers, seek out films with women protagonists. Uh, you can vote with your dollars if absolutely nothing else, whether you're involved in film or not. We'll see you at Paper Street. Don't hang around. I'll get so much in trouble. Bye. <laughs>
It's like what? How do you submit? An uh, good, qu- good question. I, I don't know. I think you may have to mail, mail it. Mail the film, but, su- the but submission if you have a scan of it, I'm sure you can right, okay. send a Vimeo. Link I was about to, to remark it like, wow, like shipping an actual like film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you could, and they me. could screen it in house. But I'm sure you could if you have a scan of it and it's on Vimeo, even better. Right. Yeah. It will be presented on film though. Yeah. Uh, so Fava uh, has has opened uh, the call for submissions for their 2018 Awards of Excellence. The annual celebration of Fava members' work is coming up in April. Uh, and now is the time to submit your completed film to the festival in the Awards of Excellence category. The deadline to submit is December 7th uh, at one minute before midnight. You can submit online at fava.submittable.com slash submit. Um, this is a cool event. This is already back up. I, I, it feels like it just happened. And uh, yeah, it's great. It's 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 well, only... you, wanted, you wanted to do something like yeah, this. Yeah. We don't have anything yeah, like this in Calgary. Yeah. So we got to steal this idea. Totally. Uh, appropriate this idea. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, or... <laughs> Get inspired by this right, idea. Right, right. something. Well, I don't different. think Fava came up with the idea of an award show. So I'm sure not. they did. <laughs> so you can uh, you can there's there's awards for outstanding short narrative film or video, outstanding short documentary, outstanding long form narrative, outstanding long form documentary, outstanding music video, uh, experimental film, animated film, uh, and inter art performance or installation. So there's a lot of cool categories there. Uh, no reason not to apply because awards. Um, you know, I, I think some people don't think awards are important, um, but I disagree. I think they inspire us at the very least to do better and to you know i always leave an award ceremony never winning and being like ah, i gotta i gotta <laughs> do better work and, harder it is an inspiring thing yeah, for sure we, we often do our some of our best work you know shortly after an awards ceremony because mm-hmm, we're just mm-hmm. like you know really yeah. gung-ho yeah and it's not that anybody does it for the awards but it but it is nice to have some recognition and, yeah, uh, and celebrate the industry and for sure and a call for applications for the fifth annual csif imaginative mentorship program for indigenous uh, for emerging indigenous media artists living in alberta uh if you have a great idea for a five minute short film that would benefit from professional and creative mentorship then you need to apply to this opportunity um scott talked about it last time a little bit more but uh the imaginative film and media arts festival happens in toronto from October 20, uh, sorry, October 17th to 21st. And uh, the successful applicant gets a pass to that and $1,000 in, uh, in cash as a bursary commission for, uh, as an artist's fee. And you get the opportunity to use CSIF's extensive film and equipment library uh, for your film. So uh, check it out uh, and you can apply at csif.org under the job calls section. And the deadline to apply for that is December 15th. Matt, when does the Christmas season start for you? Uh, it's that's an interesting question because uh, full disclosure, we're recording this the day after American Thanksgiving. Oh yes, of course. So I think for Americans, it's like today is the first day of. Now we're in Christmas spirit mode for some, right. but then for some, it's right after Halloween. And yeah, Thanksgiving I feel like that's just like, happens. I feel like that's like the corporate for Christmas us season. for sure. Yeah, but then there's also Remembrance Day, right? So you shouldn't you shouldn't get too into the Christmas spirit before you acknowledge Remembrance Day. So I don't know. For for me, I think it's after Thanksgiving. Uh, sorry, and after Halloween, I feel it's Christmas time. Right. So I like, mean, not that I get into it, well, but like, said, it's I'll like, accept it if yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. yeah, I feel like right after Halloween, you know, the stores take down all the Halloween stuff. Christmas goes up the next day. That feels a little bit early to me. Yeah. Um, but we're uh, actually at the, the the time that this podcast goes out, we will have just decorated our home and put up our tree. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is usually earlier than we do it because I think a lot of people would say like December first is like when you can like you can right. put up your tree now. Or if you don't celebrate Christmas, um, celebrate in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, December 1st really is the start of the holiday season. And the reason I say that uh, is because on December 1st, this year, 
uh, the movies at the Grand is showing a Christmas story. Ooh, nice segue. December one. Yeah, maybe maybe we should all make December one at the at the Grand our official start of Christmas. Right. <laughs> Although I am wearing Christmas socks right now. Oh, okay. Because we, right. I mean, we shot a Christmas video. And today. last night I bought a bunch of Christmas stuff that I didn't yeah. expect. So all right, so it started. But, <laughs> um, so December first at Theater Junction, um, uh, co-hosted by CSIF. Uh, doors at 7 p.m. Film at 8 p.m. Tickets are only five bucks plus a non-perishable food donation for the Calgary Food Bank. Uh, they will have games, trivia, and of course, major awards, which if you're a fan of the Christmas story, you will know is, uh, is the leg lamp is the major award. that. He right, um, right. I've seen that image, yes. Right. And that's like, I have like a leg lamp nightlight. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Nice. Oh, my God. You must have. <laughs> It, it, there are so many iconic things that I know about, but I've just never yeah, like, like exactly. getting his tongue stuck on the pole yeah, and sure. uh, going down the slide with Santa. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it, to me, it's like that. I don't know why, um, because it wasn't a huge movie in my childhood. I probably started watching it when I was like maybe 13 or 14, but it just captures the feeling of Christmas for me. It's like, that's mm-hmm. what it feels mm-hmm. like is that movie. Right. Um, it's just excellent uh, and, and, and wholesome and funny. Uh, and a must see. So if you can't make it on the first, um, figure out some way to, to to watch that movie. Yeah, for sure. I'm just quickly IMD being who's in it because uh, the dad is Darren McGavin, who is awesome and was in. Uh, he was the dad in Billy Madison. That's how I know him. Oh, okay. But uh, but I think he has had a you know 183 credits on IMDb. Like right. a, like an epic classic movie actor. Check out Ralph too, because the ki- the kid who plays He's all grown Ralph, up, yeah. yeah, he he was in Elf. I know. As, oh yeah, yeah, like in the workshop as an adult. Right. He was like the head elf, I think. Peter um, Billingsley. Yeah, but he's like a director yeah, now. He I was think. in Iron Man. He produced Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What? So he's like, yeah, he's serious business. Oh, he works with um, uh, who direct John John Favreau? Right, of course. Zathura, he produced as well. Oh, right. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm, cool. So and 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 he's great. Like he's one of the best child actors that I. Yeah, yeah. You can but, still see yeah. it in his, in yeah, his eyes. Yeah. Sure. Huh. Um, yeah, I gotta anyway. watch it. Uh, so uh, last week I I made a mistake uh, with Gail Kennedy. Right, I, of course. I said she she was an Emmy nominee. Right. She's a five-time Emmy nominee. Incredible. And a one-time winner. So uh, for Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, which of course is a, is a classic Alberta production here. So uh, she is teaching the Set Etiquette and Protocol workshop uh, on this, uh, uh, November 29th <laughs> at 6 p.m. Uh, at the IATSE Local 212 headquarters in their uh, um, learning space there. They've got a great um, kind of pre- presentation workshop um, learning area. So uh, if you're a member of IATSE, it's 40 bucks. Uh, permittees are 40 bucks, and others are also $40. So uh, Super dope. Yeah, everyone's welcome for $40. So, um, yeah, and really, like Gail Kennedy, a legend in, in, in our, our province. So totally. She'd be cool to meet. Definitely. Um, I, I did a big spiel for this M Media uh, analog image processing. Yes. Last week, um, yes. so I will try to <laughs> uh, be less uh, salesy about it this week. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I'm not at all involved, but it just sounds cool. So Bryce, uh, I said Maruk last week, but I'm gonna say it's Merrick this week, just because okay. I don't know. Okay. So I'm gonna try the other way. I think I've heard his name Maruk. I think Maruk? you got it right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Bryce is teaching uh, this workshop uh, this Saturday, December second, from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, at M Media, which is on 10th Ave in Calgary. It is free. Um, to attend and it is all about um, learning the basics of working with antiquated video formats to add a nostalgic flair for your next art project so mmedia.ca to find out more about that workshop 
Cool. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I love the Briar goes out and finds cool things, and I'm learning this as I'm reading it, which is great, uh, because the AFA grant writing workshops are coming to Calgary, Canmore, and Edmonton. Uh, and this is awesome. This is something you have to attend if you if you don't understand or even if you need a, a refresher on the AFA grant process. Um, these, I, these workshops are always so eye-opening. Yeah, the CSAF hosted uh, someone from the AFA a couple of years ago during their summer mixer, and uh, I just went because I was going to the mixer, and I yeah. learned so much. Yeah. That, and, you, and I've applied you think to this you know, yeah, but Yeah, but, there's yeah. just so many little details that you're like, oh, like that's terribly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. So, Canmore, you're on on Thursday, December 7th at 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. at the uh, formerly Tourism Canmore location. It is the Arts and Events Boardroom at 907 7th Avenue. And you can register in Canmore uh, by emailing jason.flamia at gov.ab.ca. That's going to be the same email address for all the locations, so I'll give you the spelling on that in a second. Calgary, you're up on Thursday, December 7th, same day, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the Mount Royal University at uh, Taylor Center for the Performing Arts. Um, uh, Workshop, uh, so yeah, uh, registering is free, but space is limited. And Edmonton, you're up on Tuesday, December 12th, uh, from 6.30 to 8 p.m. in the Capital Arts Building. Again, to register for all three, it's jason.flamia at gov.ab.ca. That's J-A-S-O-N dot F-L-A-M-M-I-A at gov.ab.ca. Again, they're all free, but space is limited. Um, and if, if you want to kind of recap this or find out more information, you can visit uh, www.afta.ab.ca, and it should uh, should direct you towards that AFA grant writing workshop. Um, Perfect. And that link will be in the show notes as well. Right. A, link, a more detailed link to these specific workshops. Yes. So, uh, the CSAF is hosting a, a workshop called Introduction to Location Sound for Film and Video. Location Sound, so important. Mm-hmm. So important. Mm-hmm. That is the, the heart and soul of the performance. Um, and it's one of the best ways to add production value to your work is by making sure that you get great sound while you shoot. You know, we're just going through the, the sound post-production right now um, at Propeller Studio. Shout out to those guys. They're fantastic. And uh, because we had a wonderful sound mixer, um, Derek, Derek White, who's mm-hmm. just awesome, um, a lot of the dialogue didn't have to be re-recorded, which yeah. is just for, for a budget of our size, which was so tiny, uh, critical. Yeah, because you hear like entire movies have to be 80 yards sometimes or the entire soundscape is is produced after the fact. And it's like, yeah. that's not an option for a yeah, budget. Yeah, for a tiny yeah. budget. So it's really important to have someone on set who's capturing all that stuff yeah. um, cleanly. Um, so this is a two-day workshop. Uh, you'll get an introduction to the CSAF's new sound equipment uh, and some learn some of the best locations when picking location, or sorry, some of the best practices when picking locations, how to boom, and the basics of wireless lavalier microphone use. <laughs> um, it's mandatory for any members interested in using the CSAF's uh, 633 mixer and recorder, unless you can demonstrate proficiency otherwise. So this is happening uh, next Saturday, Saturday, December 9th, and Sunday, December 10th, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., $190 for members and $230 for non-members. And of course, the instructor is none other than the fantastic Alex Mitchell. The one and only. So there's a, a crane and remote head workshop coming up thanks to uh, our sponsor, IATSE Local 212, and they're doing it in partnership with William F. Weitz and 669. Uh, it's a one-day camera crane and remote head workshop where participants will get the opportunity to work hands-on with their spe- with this kind of specialty equi- uh, equipment. Workshop is happening from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., uh, and this is on both December 11th and 12th, so you can pick your day. Uh, and uh, it's happening uh, at the Calgary Film Center um, in studio number two. 
Um, and it appears to be free, but uh, you will need to register. Uh, and you do get some free lunch and uh, beverages. So Delicious. Uh, the registration is limited to uh, primarily to grips with active experience within the last three to five years. Um, but, you know, if you don't have any experience, you never know. You might be able to find a spot. So check out the show notes for a link. What's shooting right now? Well, Tin Star Season 2 isn't yet. Right. But, but it's going will. to be <laughs> in February. Right. So they're in pre-production, mm-hmm. um, which is super exciting. So glad to have them back. Heartland Season 11 wraps this week. Wow. I thought it was already wrapped. I thought I saw some Instagram stuff of their last day. Uh, maybe it's the, maybe the office is wrapping up this week. Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah, you, uh, you might be right. Yeah. Someone else knows better than us. Really. <laughs> yeah. Probably no one listening, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Circle of Steel, of course, uh, the new feature uh, directed by Jillian McCurcher is shooting in Calgary um, this week, uh, last week, and then next week. So that's a nice three-week shoot. Uh, they're right in the thick of it right now. And that's a project lab uh, from the Calgary Film Center uh, funded project. So that's oh sweet, good to mention because Calgary Film Center is a sponsor. Thanks, Calgary Film Center. Sweet. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, job calls. Olds College is hiring a production manager. We talked about this last week um, to assist in the project management and coordination of multiple ongoing video projects related to training, education, and promotion. Lots of details. Um, you can check it out uh, or send an email. Uh, check it out at oldscollege.ca slash employment um, for that. Cool. Uh, I mentioned this one last time as well. An ENG camera editor, uh, Redcliffe, uh, over on mediajobsearch.com. You can find um, the uh, this, this job call, and it's for the CHAT TV news uh, station in Medicine Hat. Uh, so they're looking for kind of an all-around Swiss Army knife person with a great eye, the ability to you know edit some great footage that they shot, um, some experience with uh, broadcast um, or having a, a broadcast diploma uh, or equivalent is a great uh, thing to have. And uh, it closes, uh, this, this job opportunity uh, window closes November 30th. So get your applications in if you're interested in working with a uh, cool uh, news station in Medicine Hat. All right, that's it. That's all for the news you can use. Um, now we get into the recommendations section, which I see by Matt's face he is not quite <laughs> not prepared for. Prepared for. Um, and I, w- I was kind of thinking about this uh, as I was coming over to record um, my recommendation. And uh, uh, so Matt and I sit on the board of the of the CSIF, um, and we sent out a member survey a couple weeks ago and got some amazing feedback back. Um, and I'm not sure what I can share, but I'm going to share this anyway. One of the the big things that we saw was people requesting more networking events, um, and uh, which which makes a lot of sense because I think people don't necessarily recognize um, what is and what isn't a networking event uh, around town. And, and right. So um, my recommendation is to go to one of these things that we talked about on the show today. Um, or, or go next week to something that we talk about next week. Um, because I think you'll recognize that a, you know, like a panel on something is also a networking event, right? Or a screening at, you know, Theater Junction for a Christmas story is also a networking event. So these things, like networking events are, are always kind of bundled into everything that's going on. So if you're looking for opportunities to network, they're, they're to be found everywhere. And the reality is that throwing a networking event that's, that's pitched as a networking event is very unattractive to, I think, to a lot of people who, who you know, just hate networking, mm-hmm. like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think that networking is important, um, 
you can you can kind of have your cake and eat it too and go to these events. So yeah, that'd be my recommendation is to just get out there. I know uh, if you're not a fan of networking, um, it's probably best not to think of it that way. <laughs> um, we like to say we're going to make friends, not contacts. Um, so I would kind of put your put that mindset on uh, and just head out and, and shake someone's hand, even if it's matter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, while workshops might not be the best networking event, they're still a networking event. And, you know, you just kind of have to frame everything as a network. Totally. I mean, and it's, yeah, that's the thing is it's not about volume. Yeah. Right. It's not yeah. about, it's not about how many business cards you can get or how many you can hand out. It's about making personal connections with people and, and making friends because that's, yeah. you know, a business card really like, what's that going to do in the long run? Probably not as much as actually having a full on conversation. Totally. With someone. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, geez, I'm stumped. It's a tough act to follow. Uh, it is. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess, uh, I've talked about it before. I feel like I've talked about all this before, but I'll say I'll say Shotlister again. Mm. If I, I I probably did last season mention Shotlister. It's such a cool app, and I'm using it again because I'm I'm first ading on a story I have short oh, coming right, up here, and uh, it's just so amazing. And I have the Apple Watch, and it's and and it times out your whole day and tells you exactly how far ahead or behind you are, and you can cut shots or add shots, and, you know, in the middle of the day, which is so useful. Do you think it's better for? First AD or director to have it, or do you think you, you kind of both have to use it together? No, I think I think a first AD really, um, and so because uh, I know you were using it, but yeah. you're directing, like how yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just yeah, I guess I, I guess it's you know it's whatever you want to do. For me, I wanted to have a really clear idea of my day in, right. in, on my own. Um, but yeah, if, if that's you, that's great. If not, that's okay too. It's, it's a great tool for a first AD and it's a great tool for a crew in general. If you have a and if you have storyboards, this is the 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 plus. Uh, part of it though if you you can use it for free just to do the shot listing thing and have it on your watch all, all that's great but for I think $13.99 a year you can uh, you can have a, the service where it synchronizes to your whole crew you can update the crew with oh, the shot cool. list and uh, you can add storyboards to each shot so you can have a you know you, you can show the crew exactly what the shot is going to look like um, and there's also some other cool functionality there so um, yeah worth checking out if you haven't already Okay. Already. Well, that's it. That's all. Um, thanks, as always, to uh, Briar for finding all this news uh, and, and tips and stuff and putting that together for us. Um, and thanks to Chad Blaine, who yes. put to uh, compose the music for this. That you're, that you're hearing, if I'm if, editing uh, this right, it's, it's moving not, not in right yet, now. Not quite yet, because uh, we want to thank Britt Clark as well for uh, for designing the, the new artwork for the mm -hmm. for the season. Mm -hmm. um, and she did it's long. It's long. I can, I can yeah, fade okay, it in. Sweet. <laughs> Um, so if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you, but it's also about you. So if you've got anything going on, share it with us and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the community. And of course, if we've got any info wrong or we missed something like how many Emmy nominations you have, um, <laughs> let us know. We'll be happy to correct it on the next week. Absolutely. So if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing us at hello at abfilmcast.ca. And of course, you know, we're on all the, uh, all the, all the social media portals, Twitter, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud especially um, and of course Instagram but don't forget we're also on iTunes and we love it when you five star us over on iTunes it helps other people find the show sweet uh, well thanks everybody have a, a great week and go, go make, make something, something.